Uh, yes. Good morning. Uh, my name is Tim, in case you don't know me. It's great to have you along here. Allow me to add my welcome to John and Colin a little bit before. Uh, I'm a minister in training here at Trinity Bay, and we're going to be spending a bit of time looking at this psalm this morning. Um, but before we get into that, I thought I'd just share something with you. Uh, last year for Christmas, Chantel and I were in Melbourne with family. It was a great time over there, uh, and on Christmas Day, we did this little present swap thing. Um, where we bought a bunch of little $2 tacky gifts and kind of, you know, exchanged them around with all the family. Has anyone ever done something like that before, where you kind of get a gift and then pass it on and choose them? So we had like a selfie stick and we had this tiny inflatable water tube thing, which I don't know who it would be useful for, but it's apparently useful. Um, I ended up with an inspirational calendar. Um, There's a picture of something kind of similar, I think, behind me. now, this, this one is a cheap $2 one, so there's plenty of spelling errors, um, like plural problems. Anyway, lots of problems. It was, it's quite funny, really. We enjoy looking at it. Um, last month's motivational message was, don't count the days, make the days count. Now, personally, I found that a little ironic for a calendar to say that. Um, isn't the whole premise of them to count days? <laughs> Nevertheless, though, uh, it's a nice thought. Counting our day, making our days count. Um, but as I've been thinking about it and reading through this psalm, I've actually kind of thought there's, there's two kinds of days I reckon we don't like counting. Uh, the first kind of days are those days when we've been hurt. Uh, those days when maybe, you know, the school bully's gotten us for today. Uh, maybe it's that one co-worker who the second something goes wrong, they single you out and they blame you. Maybe it's people bad-mouthing your race or your sexuality. Now, I know when I think about it, uh, those days, I have no trouble remembering them. How about you? The second kind of days, the other kind of day that we prefer not to remember, though, are those days when we've hurt or offended someone else. I'm not talking about the tough love kind of hurting someone else. I'm talking about the choice to do something selfish and hurtful uh, to a loved one. It might be a secret addiction to gambling, alcohol, or pornography. It might be uh, rash words spoken in anger to someone we love and care about. And again, when I think of myself, these are definitely the days that I prefer not to count. The days I prefer not to remember. I reckon that's the case for all of us. Psalm 90, that passage that Val just read out for us excellently, uh, is a prayer of Moses, as we see in that kind of little introduction line, uh, the man of God. So Moses was the leader of Israel. We read about him in Exodus through to Deuteronomy in the Bible. And he wrote this prayer on one of those days, one of the second kinds of days for Israel, and one of the days that they'd rather not count because they've offended God. He wrote this prayer in the days when Israel had rejected God, Now, there might have been during Exodus 32, when Israel decided instead of following God, they wanted to bow down to a golden calf. It it could have been in Numbers 14, when Israel decided instead of trusting God to deliver them into the promised land, they'd reject him. They didn't trust him. Either way, though, the prayer Moses wrote tells us that the Israelites would rather not count these days. It's a prayer based on who God is, that God is the God of countless days. Uh, Moses writes this prayer 
asking for God to help us to count the days God's way. And Psalm 90 is a prayer that we will count, we'll talk to God on those days we'd rather not count. Uh, So let's keep our Bibles open, page 592, as we look together through this psalm. You've got a bit of an outline there as well in the leaflets if you're the kind of person who likes to take notes. Uh, So as we look through verses 1 to 10, first of all, the God of countless days, we see three main truths about the God of countless days. The God of countless days is eternal. The God of countless days is sovereign. And the God of countless days is personal. First of all, the God of countless days is eternal. Now look with me here at verses 1 and 2. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all the generations. Before the mountains were born or you brought forth the whole world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Moses uses the phrase there, uh, throughout all generations, reminding hearers that God is the same today as he was every day before this. Uh, To everyone, he's always been the same. God is constant. And in verse 2, we see that he is from everlasting to everlasting. He predates the entire world. He is eternal. Now, if you're anything like me, eternity's just a bit of a hard concept to grasp, a hard concept to kind of cling on to. Um, we are time-bound creatures. We live according to our watches. We uh, live with too much time or too little. And yet, as much as we're time-bound, as much as we're in connect with that, I reckon we do find something impressive about stuff that's just a bit timeless, uh, stuff that's just a bit outside of time, stuff that's old. (laughs) So just to help us think through this, think through the best relationships you've had or that you have now. It might be family, uh, it might be friends. If you're married, it's probably your spouse. Now these relationships, the shared experience, uh, they have this incredible ability to give us days we love to count. Uh, Days that we just want to relive over and over again. And that's actually a good thing. Uh, These are 100% endorsed by God, this longing for a kind of long-lasting relationship. There's something built into us that makes us relational. But even the closest relationships between people, like marriage, uh, marriage has vows that say as long as we both shall live or till death do us part even the best relationships that we can have here and now end with death but god on the other hand god is from everlasting to everlasting he is there throughout all generations the god of countless days he doesn't end So with God, with this relationship, there is no end to the goodness. There's no end to this great relationship. God is everlasting. Secondly, the God of countless days is sovereign. Nothing happens without his say-so. Let's look at uh, verses 3 and 4. You turn people back to dust, saying, return to dust, you mortals. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. Well, we saw just before in verse 2 that Moses acknowledged that God made all things, that God created everything. Uh, God created mankind, 
we see that God made us from dust. But when mankind rebelled against God, uh, God cursed man. Just as we were made from dust, God said you will return to dust. Unlike the God of countless days, uh, we are mortal. We don't live forever. Uh, We are dust. We have a limited number of days. And it's not just for us as individuals, uh, but it's for us corporately. It's for our institutions, our, our governments, our ruling bodies. So, on that, yesterday I think most of the people in here would have voted. Um, there's a few who are too young to do it, but most of us would have done it. Now, interestingly enough, we don't actually have a new government yet. Uh, we'll see how we go. We'll see how we go come Tuesday. Uh, but I don't know how that's leaving you feeling. Maybe you're feeling a bit, who cares? Uh, Maybe you're feeling perhaps a little bit more anxious. What if Australia gets invaded in the next 24 hours? What will we do? Who will respond? Uh, Maybe maybe you're feeling just frustrated with the whole thing, going, ah, let's get rid of this democracy. Let's go for something else. I don't know. But looking again at these verses here, verses 4 to 6, we see that from God's perspective. Governments, kingdoms, Democratic commonwealths, monarchies, they don't last forever. We're like grass. Here one day, gone the next. In the days of Moses, in the days that he was leading Israel, they were threatened by many opposing nations. And so for them, how comforting it must have been to know that God is sovereign over all the peoples, over all the kingdoms, Now, in truth, that wasn't just the case in Moses' day. Because God is the God of countless days. Uh, He has always been sovereign. Which means that today, God will achieve his plan no matter what. Uh, God is sovereign over the kingdoms, over the lack of kingdoms, over the transition between governments and ruling bodies. And just quickly, what Moses isn't saying is that we should go and lock ourselves in rooms and never make any decision whatsoever. Uh, He's not saying that we shouldn't vote or that we shouldn't have a role in society and what's going on. The Bible's always held God's sovereign control over all the days, uh, alongside our choices on those days, the way we count our days. It's always held these two things hand in hand, side by side. No, our days count. What Moses is saying is a reassurance to us. If you're someone who's ever worried about uh, who's in control of Australia, if you're someone who's worried about a regime, if you've ever worried about Brexit, God is in control and God's going to work his plans out. How good is that? Thirdly, the God of countless days is personal. And just doing a bit of a flyby over the psalm, we see that God is a good personal God. So in verse 1, Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. God has been Israel's home forever. Skipping all the way to the end, verse 17, may the favor of the Lord our God rest on us. God is personal and shows favor. Or in verse 13, you see that word Lord there. Just looking at it now. All in capital letters. 
That's the English way of writing God's personal name, kind of like saying Yahweh or Jehovah, depending on if you've heard those sorts of things before. Every time in the Bible we see Lord in capital letters, it's not just another way of saying God. It's a personal name tied up with God's personal revelation of who he is. Many of you will know my wife, Chantelle. Um, if you don't, she's lovely. I highly recommend meeting her. Great person. Um, when we met, her name was Chantelle Kimberly Lyman. Now it's Chantelle Kimberly Blagg. Okay, something's changed. Uh, when you call her Mrs. Blagg or Chantelle Blagg, you're not just saying another way of calling her Chantelle. Uh, when you say the name Blagg, it's not a fun name to say, I'll admit it. Uh, when you say the name Blagg, it's a reminder of the promises that Chantelle and I made to each other on the 21st of December, 2013. A reminder of promises we made in marriage. Calling Chantelle Mrs. Blagg isn't just saying Chantelle. It's saying the one who's promised to be married to Tim uh, and Tim's promised to be married to her. And it's the same when we see this word Lord all in capitals. Uh, It's a reminder of God's promises to Israel, of God's promises to his people, his covenant with them. And then fast forwarding just a couple of thousand years to when Jesus was on the earth. Uh, Jesus tells us that we can call God not just Lord. He says we can call God Father. We get to call God, the, the God of countless days, the eternal God, the sovereign God, Daddy. We get to call him this if we're in right relationship with him. Like a good father, he cares about our days. He cares about our elections. He cares whether we've had a good day or a bad day. Well, God cares about what we do. And in fact, because of this, God's personal nature is actually terrifying to those who aren't in right relationship with him. So join me now in verses 7 through to 9. We are consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. All our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. God's people Israel uh, saw this God who judged the nations that opposed him. But Israel doesn't get off the hook. Uh, Israel has rejected God. Israel has earned God's wrath. As we saw in verse 8, they have sinned against him. And as we see, God is judging them for their rebellion against him. Now from this little chunk here, from verses 7 to 10, there's two really important things for us to take away. First of all, God does judge. God takes sin and rebellion very seriously. Whether we sit in a church, go to Bible study group, or whether we're not even sure if there is a God at all. The God of countless days takes sin seriously. He won't put up with rebellion forever. And the warning for all of us to realize is that people who reject God, people who choose to count the days their own way, well, God's just going to give us those days that we've chosen. Just like he gave Israel an active experience of God's anger and wrath. 
Are these the kinds of days we want to choose? That's the first thing. Secondly, let's just remember what this psalm isn't actually saying. Uh, This psalm isn't written about those who are in right relationship with God. Now, for some of us who are Christians, when we think about the days that uh, we've had, we think about the days that perhaps weren't so good. We don't have any trouble remembering that we've rebelled against God, that we've acted in a way uh, that God wouldn't have. We struggle with feeling guilty, constantly worried, feeling like we haven't done enough. Maybe you can feel this. Uh, Maybe Tuesday was a great day. You got up early, you read your Bible and prayed, uh, shot off to work, didn't click on that link or didn't mouth off at that person, uh, got home, you know, talked to a friend or a colleague about Christmas in July and invited them along. Maybe Tuesday was a good day. Maybe Wednesday, a bit more tired, interrupted sleep, someone awake at night screaming, had to skip the Bible reading because you had to rush out the door. Uh, at morning tea, just kind of had that quick fire, reflexive kind of biting at someone else when they said something stupid, uh, which you immediately regretted. I don't know. And maybe you got home Wednesday night and wondered if you deserved God's wrath for just not living in the way that he would have us. Well, the truth is, this psalm isn't actually talking about that situation. The truth is, is that if you have trusted in Jesus, if you're in right relationship with God, all of God's wrath against your sin is gone. God's wrath against all the sin we've done, all the sin we do, all the sin we'll ever do, has been taken away on that day that Jesus was died on the cross. The day Jesus was crucified. Isn't that great? And not only that, but if you're someone who's struggling with sin, if you're someone who's going, I know I shouldn't live this way. I know I shouldn't have said that. I know I shouldn't have done that. I know I should have done this. This this whole struggle, this whole turmoil is actually evidence that God's working in you and that God has working in us. How do you feel about that? Don't mishear me. God doesn't want us to sin. He wants us to change. He wants us to be transformed, to look like Jesus and to live lives that honor him. And he's working to change us in all of our days. Well, now that we've been reminded of who God is and of who we are, let's look at how Moses responds in this prayer. Moses' prayer shows us what it looks like to count the days God's way. Look with me at verses 11 and 12. If only we knew the power of your anger. Your wrath is as great as the fear that it is your due. Teach us to number our days, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. I think this is a bit of a strange request to God in in one sense, isn't it? Saying, God, let, let us know how much you are angry. Let us see how big your anger is. It comes across as a little bit tyrannical or even a bit like a supervillain. But the truth of the Bible is that God deserves to be feared. Not as a tyrant. God deserves the kind of fear that comes with awe, with respect. So something you might not know about me uh, is a bit of a confession. I am afraid of heights. 
Uh, I feel like I'm in a safe place here. Can anyone relate? Well, I mean, in my defense, I'm, my head, my eye level is nearly two meters off the ground. Okay? I've got longer to fall. Uh, if I'm on a three-meter diving board, I'm so much higher up than most people. Uh, so if I'm walking across a footbridge like King William Street, I'll, I'll prefer to stick around the middle of the bridge, not close to the edge. Uh, in Marion, I avoid that section where, as you're walking on the second floor, you can see down onto the first floor. Uh, if I get too close to it, I just get a bit panicked, a little bit clammy. Uh, I don't know if anyone can feel that. You'll probably just look for me standing as far away from the edges as possible at Marion from now on. Now, I don't see a second floor building and go, ah, and scream and run away. I don't see a high ropes course and feel like it's out to get me. No, no, I'm afraid of heights in the sense that I respect them. I have an awareness of what's going to happen to me if I don't take these heights seriously. And if that's true of me and in personal heights, how much more should we fear God? How this personal, sovereign, eternal God of countless days. Now this is what it means to number our days. It is to recognize how small our days are, how fragile they are, when compared with the countless days of the eternal God. So when I think about someone numbering their days, I think of someone who recognizes how important it is to sort out business with God then and there. A person who recognizes that their days are actually numbered. A person who doesn't go, I'll get to that God stuff later, I'll put it off for now. A person who recognizes how urgent it is to be right with the God of countless days. So if you are someone who's been putting it off, you've got to ask, why? It's the question that Moses is giving us, why, why put it off? Earlier this week, uh, I was greatly encouraged. As a staff team, we were hanging out Monday at the, the YMCA, uh, sitting down, having our meeting, uh, and Colin joined us. Can you explain why he and Sally weren't actually with us uh, last weekend for our mid-year Thanksgiving service? It was because their son was baptized. And their son had become a Christian after a long time of ignoring God, of doing stuff that hurt himself and family and friends. He became a Christian. That's awesome. Uh, Talk to Colin and Sally more about that. But it's absolutely fantastic. Uh, That's what numbering our days is all about. It's that kind of turning point going, no matter what's happened in the past, I don't know how much longer I've got left and I need to get right with God. Now, for a person who is in the right with God, who has accepted Jesus, we've already taken care of that one most important thing. The one relationship that, in the words of this psalm, will give us a heart of true wisdom. So for those of us who have accepted Jesus, would someone else look at the way we live, uh, the, the way we act, the way we respond to hard days? Would a colleague notice when we remain silent, when it's kind of that complaint about the boss session? Would a non-Christian look at us and see us as someone who's settled in life, has this most important thing worked out? Would they see that we number our days 
uh, the way God tells us to, that we have that peace that comes from right relationship with God. And do they know that we think this is the most important thing for anyone who doesn't know Jesus to sort out? Well, point three on your outlines. Talking to God in those days we'd rather not count. Moses has reminded us of who the God of countless days is. He then prays that we will count the days God's way. And thirdly, Moses shows us what it means to talk to God on those days we'd rather not count. Look with me at verses 13 to 15. Relent, Lord. How long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love, that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as we have seen trouble. So just as a question, what do you reckon has changed about Israel's active experience of God's wrath that we saw back in verses 7 to 10? That's the right answer. Nothing. (laughs) Uh, They have sinned against God. They still deserve God's anger. Moses recognizes this. He's just confessed it. And in these days that they'd rather not count, Moses asked God to relent, to turn back from his judgment, to have compassion. Not because Israel deserves it, not because they deserve God's kindness or compassion. It's because God is sovereign and God is personal. God is sovereign. This is why Israel asked God to relent. It's why they asked him to satisfy them, make them glad, and to reverse their fortunes. Israel's recognized that they can't change their circumstances under God's wrath on their own by just the power of positive thinking or by working harder. No, they need God to intervene and to change their circumstances. God is sovereign. That's why they ask him. And they also ask because God is personal. Moses used that personal name, Lord, in verse 13, as we noticed before. He says, have compassion on your servants. This shows that Moses understands, that Israel understands what it means to fear the Lord. They recognize that they aren't equals with God. God's actually much bigger and more important than they are. Moses' prayer shows total reliance on God to transform our days. For our days to be so overcome with God's compassion and love that we can't help but thank God and praise him. So what about us? Uh, we've, when we know we've said and thought and done things that hurt God and others, when we know we've hurt someone we deeply love, the truth is, is that God won't necessarily take away the immediate consequences. Uh, damage in relationships, uh, this might necessarily be healed, this side of heaven. And that can be very, very hard. But if God's favor is on you, if you're someone who's accepted Jesus, then we can have an active and ongoing experience of God's compassion, of God's kindness, of right relationship with God forever, today onwards. We are in the right with God forever because of Jesus' work on the cross. 
And with this comes a transformation from sorrow to joy, from wrath to gladness. Because Jesus died on that cross, we are in right relationship for all our days with the God of countless days. And isn't that great? Isn't that something in the words of verse 14? Isn't that something that we can look back on and know that we are satisfied with God's unfailing love? That we can sing for joy and be glad for all our days. The God of countless days cares about each and every one of our days, both now and for eternity. The God of countless days is eternal, sovereign and personal. By reflecting on this, we can count the days God's way. And on those days when we'd rather not count, we can still talk to God. And the days might not change dramatically. They might not. But we can be glad we can be the ones that are changed by God. Thinking of Moses' prayer, he asked God to change all their days from being under God's wrath to being days of God's favor. From being judged for their sin to experiencing God's mercy. The psalm doesn't end with God's response. It's kind of an open-ended prayer, waiting for God to do something. Israel is still under God's wrath. Maybe their perspective has changed. But for us today, God has answered this prayer. Because Jesus died nearly 2,000 years ago, God's day of wrath has already been counted. If you trust in Jesus, that day of wrath is done. The day of God's wrath against all our wrongdoing, all our rejection of God, it happened then when Jesus died on the cross. That day counts forever. And because of it, we can count our days God's way, even the days that we'd rather not count. Let's talk to God. Dear God, you are the God of countless days. You are eternal and we are not. You are sovereign and all-powerful and we are not. You are personal, but we are sinful. We are not able to count our days your way without your help. Thank you for Jesus, who enables us to count the days your way. Help us to have the right fear of you. Help us to recognize what you offer us in Jesus. And help us to talk to you on those days we'd rather not count. In Jesus' name, amen.